Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show, and our Bible study today is called A Message Worth Sharing. Before we get into our Bible study for today, we do have a couple of text messages to consider. A few people have been sending a bit of few things through. So the first one says, did you know that millions of people, was it that many? I don't know. But there was marches in Germany in Italy against COVID-19 restrictions. Now, that's interesting. What I find out about uh, interesting about that is that these are two countries that have been hit incredibly hard. Mm. And I think what you're starting to see happen here is the swings start to take place where people are suddenly becoming more concerned about mental health than physical health. Yes. And at some particular point, healthcare workers and politicians are going to have to weigh up that balance. How many do we lose to suicide compared to how many we lose to COVID? Yeah. And I guess there's a lot of people who are feeling very, very strongly about it at the moment. But these are all things that are a sign of the times. You know, when I was talking earlier about um, one of my earlier stories where we were talking about the uh, relationship between Christians and the environment and how Christians tend to be at peace with the fact that the world is going to pot Mm. uh, and as a result of that they tend to be less concerned about the environment, which, you know, one is a good thing, one is not a good thing. We are stewards of the environment. God created this environment. We have a responsibility to look after it. Um, one of the, one of the I, I guess, the interesting uh, things that sort of stood out to me was the higher level of scepticism mm-hmm. amongst devout Christians, uh, but also amongst devout secular people. And how the um, the scepticism was about the same on either side; it just went different directions. <laughs> yeah. So a Christian tends to be more skeptical about climate change. Uh, a secular person tends to be more skeptical about the use of uh, or, or safe storage of, say, for instance, nuclear waste. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas a, a Christian tend to be like, "Yeah, no, it's safe storage; it's underground; it's all good; we're good to go." So it's interesting comparison between the two. They're both skeptical of you know the published science, mm. and what they went on to draw out was that we are all motivated in the science that we read and share by what our conclusions are that we start with. Oh, interesting. Yep, yep. So I was doing a little bit of you know because and. and, and you know, it was interesting because it was very, very, came very, very clearly through in the article just how much of a rubber nose science has. Mm-hmm. You can point it any direction you want. Mm-hmm. There's a research, there's a piece of research out there to support your view. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah. And science doesn't like to be known to have a rubber nose. They're like, no, that's the area for historians, not scientists. No. Science books are constantly being rewritten. Yesterday's science is today's error. And, of course, that creates a higher level of scepticism. And there is a scientific study out there to support your point of view. And so I was thinking about it from my own perspective. I was like, okay, there's lots of things happening in the world today. There's COVID happening. There's climate change happening. There's, um, what else is that, riots happening. Uh, What else have we had? Um, Bushfires and floods Mm -hmm. and so forth. Earthquakes and tornadoes. You know, we could go on down through the list. A lot of mm-hmm. things that have happened in the last 12 months, right? Aye. And so how do I choose my science? 
you know, when I'm sharing reports here on Faith FM and so forth, what bias am I bringing to it? And the bias that I'm bringing to it is this. I thought it'd be good to just talk about it and say, okay, this, this is my bias. Mm. My bias is basically Matthew 24. Where the Bible says at the end of time there will be wars and rumours of wars, there will be pestilence, famines, earthquakes in various places. In other words, at the end of time the world is going to be falling apart. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, when I see science, it's like the world is falling apart. I don't tend to question that too deeply because I'm like, well, that's what the Bible says and that's what I would expect to be happening in our world right now. I would be sceptical if that was not happening in our world right now. Mm. So that's the bias I bring to it and that's why I tend to lean a particular direction when I look at science. It's because, well, I believe that Jesus is coming back soon. Mm. And like you said before, though, you know, you can. there's so many views you can take with that too, right? Yes. Because you can have the people who um, have the Christian view, like based on that, the world is falling apart, therefore let's just let it fall apart. Do you know what I mean? Or you have other Christians who will go, Yes, it's falling apart. No, it isn't going to be restored the way some other people are saying. You know, we can we can still make it. No, as it we can't. Be. No, we can't. You know, but that doesn't will... give us free reign to just rape exactly. and pillage the planet. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? There's still like so many biases you can hold within that. Yes. Like, yeah. And I think this is where the um, because this is my view. I'll tell you tell you that it is the balanced Christian view <laughs> <laughs> because I am balanced, uh-huh, as uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, everybody is balanced in their own mind. Um, but this is this is the view that I believe we need to take is, yes, the world is falling apart. No, we can't fix it. But no, that does not give us an excuse to rape and pillage it. We still have responsibility. Absolutely. Absolutely we do. It's a little bit like if uh, somebody gives you a car as a gift, uh, that car is going to wear out. But they don't care. They're not going to appreciate it if you just, you know, take it up the bush and thrash it and bash it and smash it and crash it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not how you appreciate a gift from somebody else. And this world is our gift from God, and we need to remember that mm-hmm. it is our gift from God. And Plain because and the the fact that personal responsibility doesn't get um, just wiped away when it's like something starts to go wrong. Like for instance, I'm studying. If the semester starts to go not so well, I still have the responsibility to be like, yeah, but I can only do the work to the degree that I can do it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like I don't just go throw my hands up, oh, well, it is what it is, so I'll just walk away now. It's like, okay, well, I'm halfway through the semester. Like this is an example, right? If I'm halfway through a semester and I'm struggling with some assignments, I can. I have the choice to either just walk away completely and be like, oh, well, it's done, it's all failed, or it's like, well, actually, like, yes, it could be hard, but there's still – things that I can do. There's still choices that I can make. That's right. And I think you have that on a grand scale when it comes to specifically things like environmental. It's not about making it what it was because it's not what no, it's been ever. No, that's never going to happen. No. Since Eden, like and that the fall, we've never had what it was meant to be. Yes. But the, but even in that, God didn't say, oh, okay, well, <laughs> oh, well, it's done now. <laughs> it was like, okay. So now actually the blessing is you, you have to work the land. There was a blessing that's in right. that. Anyway, I I could go down a whole rabbit hole with that. I think it's fantastic. I think it's so interesting. But um, yeah. okay, so okay, millions is correct. Well, that's 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 re- that's the report that is coming through. I'm gonna have to look that up later um, because uh, as was also though. pointed out, didn't come through any of the uh, major major news um, articles. So we'll, we'll we'll see what's happening. Okay, um, another text coming through here. The same. Uh, this one's referring to persecution of God's people. The same thing will happen to God's people in the last days. Mm. 
And I think what probably needs to be added there to make this comment particularly relevant for us is that the same thing will happen to God's people in countries like Australia in the last days because the same thing is happening to God's people right now, just not in Australia. And just chatting with Etienne McClintock there, doing the quick figures, you've got three quarters of a billion people. That is a lot. That are being persecuted for their faith. Mm -hmm. You know, not all of them, about a quarter of them are in danger of losing, you know, life, possessions, you know, all of that kind of thing. But there's three quarters of a billion people under severe pressure for their faith. And that's just, you know, that's that's their Christian faith. Yeah. So if we think that that can't be exported to the rest of the world, think again. Read some history. <laughs> you know, the only people say, oh, that could never come to a free country like Australia are people who have never read their history. All right, my phone keeps buzzing here. Uh, I've got a whole bunch more messages coming through, but we'll come back to those maybe soon. We need to get to our Bible study. Uh, we've got one book left from Etienne's giveaway. Mm, that sounds uh, super Imprisoned with ISIS. Mm. It's like a $40 hardcover book being given away right here. Uh, they are available through Voice of the Martyrs, but we've got one left, so give us a call right now. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so our Bible study this week starts off with Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 and 7. Let me give you a start, Many. I saw another angel flying in. Come on, come on, you've got to know this one. I saw Mr. another heaven? Yes. Having the everlasting... Oh, gospel. Yes. yes. To preach. To all the people of the world. Yes. To every tribe, nation, tongue, people, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. okay. Saying with a loud voice. Keep going, keep going. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the sea, the earth, and all the springs of water. You Am I keeping got, going? You nearly got there. You what? nearly had it memorised. You know what? You I had this memorized at one point. I, I had know this you whole did. Section. I remember when you did. I was, oh, yeah. That's why I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to drop Minnie oh, in the deep end here because no. I know she memorized this. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I do great with memorization for a while, and then give me a couple of weeks and it's gone. <laughs> I can remember the new thing if I've just learned something. Oh, I remember, but then I won't remember the old yeah. stuff. One day we will have brains that will retain things. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> right now we have brains that are kind of like. Swiss cheese, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is so disappointing. Okay, the thing about the, this uh, this week's Bible study, it's called a message worth sharing. Oh, and I'm super excited about it. It starts right here in Revelation chapter chapter 14, verse six and seven. And if any message is worth sharing, this message is worth sharing. In fact, what you've got in Revelation chapter 14 is God's last message to the world summarized. Yes. It's just a summary of everything that we are called to share with the world right now. Mm. And so Revelation 14 comes in three, three parts. There are three parts to the chapter, and you can summarize it kind of like this. A special people with a special message mm-hmm. <laughs> for a special time. Yes. A special people with a special message for a special time. And, of course, the special people are God's people on earth at the end of time. The special message is the three hundred messages, and the special time is the return of Jesus Christ and the you know executive judgment, if you want to call it that way. Mm. It's uh, it's an amazing passage that we get to uh, to look at in 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 more detail. Okay, we're going to uh, read a a couple of verses here um, before we come back to Revelation chapter fourteen. So Second Peter chapter. 
says, Therefore I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. Okay, so when you think about this, whenever God is going to do something big, he sends somebody to prepare his people for the events that are about to take place. Mm. So when God was going to flood the world, he sent you know, Noah, Methuselah, Enoch yes, to prepare the world for what was about to happen. Mm. When famine was about to come on Egypt, he sent Joseph to prepare God's people for what was about to happen. Uh, when the Exodus came, he sent Moses. Yeah. When the Israelite captivity came, he sent Isaiah. When the Babylonian captivity came, he sent Jeremiah and Ezekiel. When the captives returned from Babylonian captivity, he sent Haggai and Zechariah. Mm. Uh, God is always coming to the world with a message to prepare them for what is about to happen. When Jesus came to this earth, he sent John the Baptist. Mm. And so this is God's method. This is how God works. And so what you've got here in Revelation 14 is God basically comes along and God says, okay, this is, this is what uh, our world is going to face. Yeah. And this is the message that you ought to take to the world just before it all happens. Let me write it out for you so that you can, uh, you know, have to, you know, there's no guesswork here. All right. Just before Jesus comes back, start preaching this. Mm. But you know the beauty of this too. And by the way, I think this is an incredible message, but that this last message is not just theoretical. Like if we look at all those people like who you just mentioned, like take take Noah, he had this amazing message to give to the people. However, his faith also lived it out. He could have said there's a flood going to come, but if he never builds the ark, you know, there's not the faith of living that message, right? Yeah. So he's like, yep, cool, God's going to come. If he does nothing about it, people are like, okay. Now they thought he was crazy because he's like, what are you doing, mate? You're building this big, you know. He's like, no, no, no. God is going to send this flood. He's He's – Giving the message, but also completely living out through faith, right? Yes. So we have this amazing end time message that, as you said, we can see that God has this pattern of preparing people with a message, but it's never just theoretical. That's right. And I think that's, for me, that's a very important thing that we can go into the world and preach the right message, and it's still a valid message. It's still the message from God, but it needs to be coupled with our life because it's a life of faith. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, Abs- I know totally what you mean, and. You know, God's message, okay, this is God. The other, this is the other aspect to this that I see coming through here. This is God's end time message. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, why does God have a different message for different time periods in history? Well, he kind of doesn't. <laughs> yeah. He just recontextualizes them mm-hmm. to the time period in history that they are relevant. Yes. So you could say that, yes, Noah was preaching the three angels' messages before the flood. Yeah, fully. Right? Uh-huh, yes. But in a totally different context. He'd be using different language. There were different issues, different local issues at the time. But God says, okay, these will be the local issues, local to our world, local to our planet, that we need to be talking about just before I come, and it's all in the context of the everlasting gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this passage because you know, Revelation 14, the Bible says, you know, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Oh, look at you go. Ah, there you go, there you go. All right, all right. Got it. Okay, so watch this. The angel has the everlasting gospel. Yes. What is the angel going to do with it? 
Share it to everyone. Preach it to everyone. Mm. All right. So I saw another angel with the everlasting gospel to preach to everyone, Mm -hmm. saying, Fear God. With a loud voice. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know what the everlasting gospel is, it starts in Revelation 14, verse 7, and extends to the end of verse 13. Mm. That's where the judgment begins and the next phase of the chapter begins, right? So that is the everlasting gospel for the end of time. And you'll find a different context there than what you find with the everlasting gospel being preached in the time of Jesus, in the time of uh, Isaiah, in the time of Moses, in the time of Noah, Mm -hmm. in the time of Adam. Same gospel, different context. Yes, fully. Yeah, and it all comes down to how we live it. All right, where were we? We, we um, just we, read Peter. We, and we kind of didn't even go didn't back there. Didn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have anything to say about it at all. I uh, just want to throw it out there that uh, the, uh, the ISIS book, Imprisoned with ISIS, so this was a guy who was thrown into a cell that was designed for one person. He was thrown into a cell with, and he's a Christian, with six ISIS criminals. That's a rough time. Okay, so you've got to... You gotta, uh, you got to read this book. I'm going to buy myself. I can't. I can't get a free copy because I work for the yeah, station. It's a bit. <laughs> you can get a free copy right now if you just give us a call, one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Yeah, just I'm going to go and buy myself one because I really want to read this book. You know what would it actually be like to be a Christian mm. living with? Islamic extremists. You know, I've got some great Islamic friends and, and I'd be happy to, uh, to to hang out and live with them. That would be amazing. But extremists, mm-hmm. like really radicalised, hardcore, you know, murderous it's important that they're of, in prison. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is ISIS. It's not just ideology. Yeah. This is, that, that's right. This is, this is, this is not... This is not, uh, this is not the religion of Islam. This is the abuse of the religion of Islam. Uh-huh. And you take any religion and start to abuse it, it becomes scary. Yes. You get people who abuse Christianity, it becomes a scary religion. Mm. Wow. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you know that you have. Such a good verse. Okay, what expression does Peter use to describe God's message to this generation. Say that again. What expression does Peter use to describe God's message to this generation? This is the truth. The truth. Yeah. Truth is one of those things that in today's world is, yeah, people are a bit funny about truth. Very, it's very subjective, isn't it, say? Well, the postmodern world has created a very subjective truth. Yeah. The world is kind of, kind of starting to swing back the other direction. Mm, mm-hmm. But subjective truth is not truth. Yes, I, I agree. You know, it's um, you know, if you've got your truth or my truth or somebody else's truth, then mm-hmm. that's not actually truth. That's just your gut feelings. <laughs> and Paul's like, yeah, now nah, we can actually have truth. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. Okay, so we finished reading that verse in Peter. Yes. Talking about truth. That's right. We had a comment come through on the text message after the close of probation. Every single unsaved person will have committed the unpardonable sin. This is true. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure exactly how it fits into the Bible study, but it's true. 
<laughs> so it's worth reading. I put right. it out yeah. there. We, we often read Maybe I forgot what I was talking comments, about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've forgotten what I was talking about. We were talking about truth. Let's continue to talk about truth. Uh, where did we get up to? We were in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. Let's move down to verse 16 and let's start reading from verse 16. Okay, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. Okay, who's writing this? Peter. And how did he, how and when did he see Jesus' majestic splendor? Well, there was on the mount. On the mountain yeah. of transfiguration. With the two other disciples. Yeah, so he's up on the mountain with uh, um, uh, uh, John P- and Peter, James and John. Yes. And they there see Jesus in his glory. So he's sharing an eyewitness yes. account. Yes. Okay, this is good. I'm actually going to read. From the KJV. Ah, here we go. That's here right. we go. <laughs> My superior Bible. Because this is actually really cool. Let me look this up real quick. Um, there's something there's something that's just, just absolutely mind boggling right here. Because he talks about this eyewitness account. While you're looking right? that up. And then he talks about something better. I was just thinking, I reckon that would have been the most amazing experience. And could you imagine trying to explain that to someone else? You'd be like, no, but we were there and then and, and then they were there and then he looked like this and then we had to come back. Why did we have to come back down? <laughs> and this is exactly what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, where were we? Verse 16? Yes. What, what chapter am I? One. Second, Second Peter, Peter. chapter Second one. Peter. I'm in, I'm in first Peter. Oh, Second Peter, chapter one, verse 16. Uh, we've not followed cunningly devised fables when mm. we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So how do you describe that? Well, actually, you kind of can't. Yeah. Uh, then it goes on. For he received from God the Father honour and glory. And when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice came from heaven. We heard when we were with him. In the holy mountain. And then verse 19, he says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Mm. I want you to think about that statement right there. I want you to take that in for a moment. Because Peter's like, Yes, we're eyewitnesses and we can give you an eyewitness account. But actually, we can do one better than that. There's an evidence for this. There is something significantly better than that. Because the problem is that you weren't there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there. You know, we could, we could, you know, we, we, we hear about um, we, we, we hear about Joseph Smith and and the three guys that got together to see the tablets of the angel Moroni, and we're highly skeptical of that. Yes, because we weren't there. Yeah, and Peter understands that. He's like, well, you know, there was only three people there, so they could be highly skeptical of that. Mm. But he's like, we've got something way better than an eyewitness account. It's called the more sure word of prophecy. Mm. And you know what? When I think of that, sorry, were you oh, going to say I was something? just going to say, unlike with you know, Joseph Smith and his mates, with the more sure word of prophecy, any person with access to the Bible mm. can test that out for themselves and experience it for themselves and be an eyewitness mm. of the fulfillment of prophecy for themselves. Yeah. And I think this is really important. Like just as we were reading that, I was thinking, so with the prophets, how do they get to come up with their prophecies? Well, it's by the Spirit of God. And we talked about the Spirit as part of sharing the other week. And for me, this is something that's really important is we have this amazing message. But Peter, so what I find interesting about this specific story that Peter's referring to, he has that experience 
and Peter still denies Jesus later, right? He has all the information he could possibly have about Jesus being the Messiah, but even though he fully believes it, it also hasn't completely changed his heart yet, right? Uh-huh. So there's hope for us yet because we're all humans. That's right. We've all had these moments. Absolutely. But Peter now, has moments right through his oh, life, by the way. Oh, doesn't he? Doesn't he? <laughs> but at least by this time he's writing here, he has gone through a massive transformation. And we know oh, yes. that in Acts we've had the Pentecost, we've had the Holy Spirit just pour out in a way that it just hasn't had before. You know, like we can read it. It's like, you know, you have the 3,000 people baptized in the one day. That's amazing. That's the Spirit of God, though. That is not just the message. You can have the right message, but without the Spirit, it's just a really good message, you know? Whereas here he's going, there's this good story. It was a great experience. It's a true message. But now there's evidence. And where does that come from? It's the Spirit of God. Like, do, you know, do you see what I'm saying? It's just all connected in this really amazing way uh-huh. that it's only by God. Like it's never going to be just, I have this great idea, which I think I'm going to tell people about. It might make people happier. It might be a good message for their life but it's not going to transform their life. Yes. Whereas like the end time message is all about transformation and restoration. Because That's like right. It's coming. Like, like don't lose heart yet. You know, you've got a perfect illustration of that if you look at um, AA, Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, because AA was founded as a Christian organisation mm. and it was founded on um, – a spiritual foundation of belief in God. Mm. We live in a secular society. Lots of people wanted to go to an AA that was being true to yourself rather than being true to God and that wanted to recognize that you were God or God was within you and get in contact with the God that was within you. Mm. And what they found was... Not successful? It was... 100% 100% unsuccessful. 100% yeah. unsuccessful. Out of it. Yes. Because when you are broken and you are addicted to something, you can't change yourself. Yeah. It's only an outside power that can change you. And so this is where, you know, AA, when it comes to that reliance on God, a power above ourselves, that's the key to the success. Yeah. And that's the key to this success right here is that we are focusing our attention on Jesus Christ and not on ourselves. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so where are we up to? Uh, we've just had... Um, we just did our... our oh, okay. We are, it, 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 it is now time for... Question of the Day. I have great appreciation for when you're like, wait, what is it? What is it? Is it? What am I doing next? What am I going to talk about next? Where are we up to in the show? Okay, but that's okay. This is so, where we're up to. Yes. Basically, so one of the many verses in the Bible that talks about this sort of idea. So in Second Chronicles 7 verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal from I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. The question is, which I've talked to a few friends about this over the time, um, how much did this happen today? So we see this quite a few times in the Old Testament specifically where it is kind of like a direct link between what is happening, you know, geographically. Like there's a famine, there's a um, there's no rain for however many years and it's linked to the wickedness of the people essentially. Yes. Does that or how much does that happen today? Is this something God still kind of implements? Okay. This is a really interesting question and basically what it comes down to is – what is Satan's desire for you? 
So what is Satan's desire for you? To destroy you yeah. and to kill you in as painful a way as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's going to affect everything around you that he can. So he's going to destroy the land. He's going to destroy your health. He's going, you know, the list goes on and on. That's yes. that's what Satan wants. That's what he takes pleasure in. He is a sadist. Yes, that's just a simple way of putting it. Okay, then what you've got? We've got to think about this in the context of the great controversy. So we've brought sin into the world. Sin exists. Satan is here. Mm. He has a toehold in the universe. It's called our planet, and he has free reign on our planet to do whatever he wants. Except that on our planet there are followers of God. And followers of God, when they pray, God turns up. Yep. Satan says, no, you can't be here. This is my planet. Off you go. You know, you said that if there was a planet that accepted me, then that planet could be an object lesson of, uh, of you know, the type of government that I have and this is my planet, so therefore let me be an object lesson of my type of government because he just wants free reign to go around and create havoc. And God says, well, actually, no, I'm here by request. Mm. And these people who are Christians have asked me to be here and asked me to intervene. And because I'm here by request, I have every right to be here. And so this is why the Bible says, when my people pray, I will hear and heal their land. If God, to, if God's people don't pray and God just turns up and says, okay, these people over here, they're Christians, so I'm going to heal their land. Satan's like, you've got no right to do that. Mm-hmm. They didn't even ask you. <laughs> yeah. You see? Uh-huh. And Satan has an argument when he does so. Yeah, yeah. Because his way ceases to be an object lesson of sin to the universe. And, you know, I mean, he's just, he's not using it because he wants to convince the rest of the universe. He knows that they're not convinced. He just wants to use his, his free reign, his space to create pain, hardship, and havoc. But when we pray, the Bible says that God turns up and God says, I'm here by request. And so the more people pray, is like, well, I've got 100,000 people praying. That's a little bit of a stronger argument, isn't it? I've got a million people praying. The argument gets stronger. I've got people fasting and praying. They really, really want me to be here, so I really, really have a good excuse to be here. And the rest of the universe that is looking on can see that what God is doing is fair, hmm. is just, and is all loving. Yeah, respecter of persons. Hey? He's not he's not violating anyone's freedom. He is there by invitation. And so we kind of have two options. Option one is to like, yeah, we're fine, we'll do it without God. And God's like, Okay. You I I I this is this is Satan's domain, and if you want to do it without me, that's what you can do. There's also the option of doing it with God, mm-hmm. where he will turn up and he will completely wreck. Satan every time that he does. So let's take these things to God in prayer always uh, because we serve an amazingly powerful God in our world today. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.